Okay, some of you young adults, you need to find out where all these people are, okay? I know some of them are not back yet, but we need to, you know, rattle some cages and give them a hard time. And I'm sure they all have a good reason uh, for not being with us tonight. But, uh, yeah, we miss them. I miss them. So, as I said earlier, January 1st, 2016, I woke up alone. Uh, this was a frequent occurrence when we were back in the States. Um, we stayed with our youngest son, who, ha who have, uh, he has four children. And uh, these children tend to, some of these children tend to get up early. They're all under the age of six. And so Karen would go upstairs and spend time with the kids, right? I mean, she says it's her favorite time of day with the kids. The kids are very quiet and soft. They're easy to talk to and to listen to. So she would love to do that um, every morning she had the opportunity. And so as I shared with you, it just seemed like the right thing to do, a brand new year, and it was just me and God. And uh, so I began to pray. Um, some mornings I would go upstairs, and Karen, <laughs> she would have either JC, who was six, a little girl, in her lap, or she would have Truett, who was four in her lap, or she would have Charlie, who was three in her lap, or she would have all three in her lap, right? And uh, I don't know if that's where the image came from for me, but this is how I see prayer. Um, just getting in my father's lap. Now, I don't want you to think I have some silly notion of prayer. But I think I have a proper notion of prayer. It's me as his child being in his lap, talking. Now I know some people have an exalted view of prayer that um, you have to be overly pious and rigid, and um, you know it's an obligation we do, and we have to fulfill it and use proper words and use biblical words and holy words and blah blah blah. That's not what prayer is to me. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is, as I watch these three children over the course of three weeks sit in Karen's lap, it's how I feel to sit in my father's lap and talk. And as I was thinking of these images, uh, the prayer of Jabez came to my mind. Prayer is not something I do because I should. And I, I fear that many people who call themselves Christians, they think they have to pray. I have to say to you, if you think you have to pray, if it's not something you want, if it's not something you're drawn to, if, it's not, if the relationship's not the payoff, I, I, I want to say to you, you probably have a very low view and, su and, and superficial view of prayer. I, I tend to be drawn to prayer because I need God and I want God. I want to sit in my Father's lap and I want to talk. So, that's how I started the new year. How many of you have read the book, The Prayer of Jabez? A couple. Okay, it's, it's an old book. I think it was published in the year 2000. 
um, uh, sold 10 million plus copies. And you might ask yourself, how does a book on prayer send, uh, sell 10 plus million copies? You already know. I probably don't have to tell you. It's because by and large, the book, the sense of the book when you read it is, this is a secret prayer formula that you can use to get stuff from God. That's really the sense. I know the author, Bruce, Bruce Wilkinson, I know he denies that, but that's actually what the book says. That's actually what you take away from the book. This is a formula. This is an incantation. He never uses the word, but you get the sense. This is a magic formula, prayer formula, in which I can constrain God, I can obligate God to do what I want God to do. It's, um, it's, it's give me prayer, you know, give me prayer. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, God, give me! Which is what prayer has devolved into in much of the modern church. Give me, God, give me! And I have to be uh, honest with you, I don't, I don't go to prayer because I want God to give me. I go to prayer because I want to know Him more. That's what prayer to me is about. And of course I throw my burdens off on Him because He tells me to. Jim, He tells me all through the Scripture, He tells all who would love Him to come and give their burdens to Him. And I throw my burdens off on Him and then we just talk. Right? It's a conversation as one theologian says. The true spirit of biblical prayer is a conversation. It goes on all day long. Pray without ceasing, the Apostle Paul says. Do we stay in our prayer closet 24-7? No. Paul is saying you're in that conversation all day long. God, the hard thing has come. Help me. God, the beautiful blessing has come. I praise you. It's just always default to God. Lord, I need your help. Lord, teach me something here. It's just this conversation that never stops in one sense. It just never stops. It's what Paul's talking about. To pray without ceasing. So, the prayer of Jabez. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about it. In case you've read it. In case you want to read it. I don't recommend it. While the author says some good things about prayer, he says some good and valid things about it that, that I can heartily endorse. On balance, the book is a very simplistic, inadequate, trivial view of prayer with a strong focus on, oh, guess what? Temporal success. In the preface of the book, the author says that the prayer of Jabez, as found in 1 Chronicles 4.10, contains the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. Well, do you want extraordinary favor with God? Well, who doesn't want extraordinary favor with God? Oh, well, all you have to do is pray this prayer. This prayer that's hidden in the genealogies of First Chronicles. This is the magic prayer. This is the one you need. It's really the, the focus and drive. And, you know, he, he uses a lot of illustrations. And, and from a man's illustrations, you can understand where he's going. He says he's not preaching prosperity. He says he's not. But if you read your book, if you read his book, it's hard not to come away with that impression. You, this, these are some of his own words. The prayer of Jabez is offered up as a formula to quote release God's miracles in your life unquote quote receive God's fullest blessing unquote quote 
uh, access God's unclaimed blessings that are just waiting for you. He gives this illustration of a woman coming to heaven and she gets to heaven and there's this big warehouse and St. Peter opens the warehouse and she, she says, what's in this warehouse? He says, all the blessings you never asked for. I have to say I hate that. I hate that kind of illustration. I hate it. If you just pray the prayer of Jabez, quote, It'll rectify your want of God's plenty. Um, he's selling it. He doesn't use the word, but he's selling it as an incantation. You just need to make a lifelong habit of praying this prayer word for word, it actually says in the Bible, in, in his book. Word for word. You need to pray this prayer word for word every day so you can get God's favor. I hate this. I hate this. You know, if the prayer of Jabez was so important, I think Jesus might have brought it up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the prayer. We're going to talk a lot about it. But beloved, there's no such thing as a Christian incantation. Woe be it to anyone who thinks they can come to God in rote prayer. God's not interested in your rote prayers. He is not interested in your rote prayers. He's interested in knowing you and changing you in prayer. You know, some people say, and I know you've heard it a million times, prayer changes things. I don't like that statement. Do you know what I'm going to say? God changes things. Prayer changes you. And prayer changes me. That's God's goal in prayer. Sit in your father's lap and talk to your papa. Talk to your daddy. Talk to Abba. And let him change you. That's what I love about prayer. <laughs> That's what I love about prayer. And again, Wilkinson, I know he denies it, but you can't help from but walk away from reading the Bible, pardon me, reading His book, and not sense that He's giving you an incantation, a Christian incantation. So enough about the book. Again, I wanted to just touch on it in case you have read it or in case you want to read it. If you have questions about it, please come and talk to me about it. I'll be happy to talk further about it. Uh, but let me just interject. Um, A prayer-centered prayer is not a God-pleasing prayer. What am I saying? Well, I'm focusing on the prayer. I'm focusing on the words. I'm focusing on my earnestness. I'm focusing on my, my genuineness. I'm, I'm focusing on, on, on some kind of formula or incantation or, or somebody told me I can get the favor of God if I just say these words. If prayer-focused prayer does not please God... What kind of prayer pleases God? God-focused prayer. Daddy, I love you. Daddy, help me with this. Knowing full well that He will. Knowing full well that He'll tax the furthest star, the power of the furthest star to bring to bear in His children's problems. Prayer is not about prayer. Prayer is about God. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about knowing Christ. That's what prayer is about.
It's not give me, give me, give me. I hate this. Are we not invited to bring our burdens and requests? Yes, we are. Of course we are. It's what the Bible says. We bring them in obedience to God and we leave them with our Father who knows the end from the beginning. He knows. He sees tomorrow. He knows what's best for you today. You can't see tomorrow. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're demanding that God do it your way when God knows best. He knows best. He knows what is best. Think about this for about 120 seconds. You were God's enemy. You were a rebel. You were alienated from God. And now, you get to sit in His lap. If that doesn't move you, I don't think you're understanding it. <laughs> you, you, you were destined for hell. Those of you in here tonight who are Christians, you were destined for hell. You were the enemy of God. Now you'll have the invitation to sit in His lap and talk to Him and be changed by Him. This is unbelievable. You know, I always say that in Christianity, God gives way more than any man, right-thinking man, would ever ask for. Who would ever ask for that? Right? Would you have asked for it? Would you have asked for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Would you have ever been bold enough to ask God, God, I want the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I want the third member of the Trinity to live in me. Who would have ever asked for that? I would have never asked for that. God gives infinitely more than we, than we think or ask. So I wake up January 1, 2016. The prayer of Jabez is on my mind. Not the book, but the biblical text. So let's look at it one more time. Verse 10, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm and it might not pain me. <laughs> and then it simply says, And God granted him what he requested. Don't you love it? How can you not love it? Bruce Wilkinson is right about one thing. He says, Jabez is not remembered for what he did, but for what he prayed. Amen. That's what he's remembered for. The only thing we know about Jabez is there's a city named after him, 1 Chronicles 2.55. That's the only thing we know about Jabez. We don't know anything else about Jabez. But knowing that, we know that most likely... He is a spiritual or community or military leader. And as one scholar noted, Jabez, the context of Jabez's life is Israel taking the promised land and subduing it. That is the context of his life. And I submit to you that Jabez is not throwing up a give me prayer. He appears to be asking for what God has been promising for 600 years or more. That is the promised land. That's a, this is how I see the text. This is how I interpret the text. I'm not dogmatic. But I see the prayer in the context of Jabez's life. 
it's in taking the promised land. Did you notice? He prays for blessing. God has promised to bless Israel with the promised land. He prays for enlarged borders. God has promised to give all the land to Israel. He prays for God's presence. God has promised to be with Israel. He prays for God's protection. God has promised to fight for Israel and defend her. This is, I believe, what Jabez is praying about. It's not a give me prayer. It's God, be glorified in all that you've promised to do. Right? God, do your will. Ultimately, this is the prayer. God, do your will. And be glorified in it. Do your will. I think this is where the mature Christian always comes. And I'll try to make that point from Scripture. The prayer of Jabez is not a magic formula. It's a man crying out to God to do all His good will in His context. It's a beautiful thing, I think. It's what biblical prayer is really all about. Finding, pursuing, and asking God, asking for God's will in every circumstance of life. You guys know the great text. There's, there's one verse that really governs everything else the Bible says about prayer. You should know what it is. I've told you several times. Does anybody know what text that is? Or what the text actually says, if you don't know the address? This is important that you understand this. Scripture always interprets Scripture. Um, it's why it's important to, to be a student of the Word and not just listen to preachers. Listen. It's good to listen to preachers, but you've got to test everything I say by the Word of God. You don't believe anything I say just because I say it. There's a lot of guys out there preaching who saying a lot of stupid stuff, right? You don't believe anything I say just because I say it. You believe it because you see it in the Word of God. 1 John 5, 14-15. The Holy Spirit writes through the Apostle John, this is the confidence that we have before Him that if we ask anything, what? Someone tell me. According to what? Someone tell me. According to His will. So, what Christian would be in prayer asking for anything that's not God's will? No true believer would. Now, pseudo-Christianity... Pseudo-Christianity runs off. We know that much of modern Christianity is pseudo. It's false. It's apostate. It's heretical. We get that. But the true believer goes back to the Word of God. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. What, is, what does James say? I didn't, I didn't get this text. I didn't write it down. But what does James say? James says, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, what? With wrong motives to spend it on your lusts. God's not into give me prayer. God's into come and sit in my lap and I'm going to change you. I'm going to teach you my will. I'll show you my will. And you can walk in my will. I really believe that's the heart and guts and soul of the prayer of Jabez. And why would any true believer ever want anything other than the will of God? This, you know, I've shared with people that as I've matured, I've been a Christian 32 years, 
I'm really happy sitting in my Father's lap and saying, Lord, whatever you have, it's good with me. Yeah, I'll pray for my mom. She's in the hospital. Absolutely. Lord, I want, I want to speak my mom's name to you. Father, I just want to speak my mom's name. He says, I got it, Jim. I know all about it. My hand's on her. I'm good with that. There's so much peace and power here to sit in your father's lap and just let him have what's on your heart and let him do all of his sovereign good pleasure in it. It's a powerful and beautiful thing. And what Christian would want anything else? I mean, seriously, what Christian would want anything else? And let me tell you, beloved, if you want God's will, you will have it. Because there's no one or no thing on the earth that can stay the will of God's hand. And what is God's ultimate will for you? That you would be like Jesus. That you would be conformed into His image. That's God's ultimate will. And everything He brings into your life is working to that end. That you would be made like Jesus. God's will for us is conformity. God's will for us is intimacy. God's will for us is His eternal and infinite good. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, God has chosen gladly to give you every good thing. Why do you think you have to ask? Is it wrong to ask? No. It's okay to ask. But just like that illustration, the woman that came to heaven and oh, there was a warehouse full of stuff that she didn't get because she didn't ask properly. It's ridiculous, actually. It's good to ask. God says, ask, seek, knock. He says that. And I'm going to touch on that in just a few minutes. I shared this verse with you last week, I think. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen, listen. Are you a Christian tonight? Listen. For all things belong to you. Already. Whether the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. You belong to Christ. In Christ we have all things. <laughs> Let me continue. The true believer doesn't lust for the things of the world and ask God to bless that. The true believer lusts for God. He lusts for God's will. He lusts for the glory of God. And he asks God to do that. It's how Jesus prayed. Jesus taught us how to pray. Matthew 6, 7-10. through 10. You might want to turn there. Matthew 6, 7-10. through 10. Matthew 6, 7-10. through 10, Right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, when you're praying, don't, don't use meaningless repetition. Don't throw the prayer of Jabez at me thinking that that's magic. Don't do it. Don't throw up meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for all their many words. Verse 8 of Matthew 6. So do not be like them. Do not pray by rote. Do not pray by formula. Do not use a mantra. If you want to talk to me, 
You crawl up in my lap and let's have a real conversation. You be real with me and I'll be real with you. Beloved, this is what prayer is. <laughs> this is what prayer is. I love what Jesus says here. Why do we not have to pray, give me prayers? Why do we not have to pray, give me prayers? He already knows, beloved. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. He knows. Isn't it enough to crawl up in His lap and say, Father, You know. He already knows what I'm praying for my mother. He knows. There's this other great text. It's not in my notes, but you guys know what what the the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. You don't even know how to pray. You don't know how. I don't know how. The Spirit's praying for us and Jesus interceding for us. Listen, I'm going to bring all this you know, to a close. Hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying and where I'm going. God knows He's an omniscient God. He's not an ignorant God. He's not a stupid God. He's not an ill-informed God. He knows. He knows what you need. I'm going to read Eugene Peterson, not the Word of God, it's his paraphrase. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, Matthew 6, 7 through 10. I love this. This is so beautiful. I want you to listen to these words. Listen to this. This is perfect. This is what Jesus is saying. More or less, this is a paraphrase. The world is full of so called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. (laughs) And I go back to sit in his lap and talk. So back to the Scripture, back to the NAS translation, Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, pray then in this way. What does He say? Pray then in this way. Father, hallowed be Thy name. Right? What's he saying? Jesus is simply saying, this is, how you, this is how real prayer starts. God, you're awesome. You're holy. We sang it. It was, in the, it was in the music. You're a holy God. You're completely other. There's nobody like you, right? You are the unbegun. You are the, yeah, uncreated God. You are, I am. There's nobody like you. Jesus says, this is how you start your prayer. This is how you approach your Father with praise and adoration. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then what does He say? What's the next thing? Many of you have it memorized. What's the next thing? Your kingdom come what? Bam! This is what Jesus says to do. Now, you can do what Bruce Wilkinson says to do if you want. You can pray the prayer of Jabez word for word for the rest of your life. You can use that incantation and it will be meaningless and fruitless. God does not hear rote prayer. He does not respond to rote prayer. Is your heart in it? Do you mean it with all your being? He'll hear it. He doesn't respond to rote prayer. But what does Jesus say? How does Jesus tell us to pray? What are we asking for? Lord, Your will be done! Again, I ask you, why would any right-thinking Christian want anything other than the will of God? Yes, oh Lord, I pray You heal my mother, but if it's her time to go, I praise You for the 86 years she had. 
This is what happens when you sit in your father's lap and you trust him. Many of you know my son, 39 years old, died 90 days ago. People want me to be mad at God. They want me to be mad at God. How can I be mad at God? <laughs> God's in charge of life and death. I leave it with God. I sit in my Father's lap knowing that He's in charge of life and death. And I leave it with God. I'm at peace about it because it's in my Father's hand. This is what prayer is. This is what prayer is. So Jesus acknowledges God and then He says, <laughs> Father, Your will be done. Just do Your will. Just do it. And if you're a Christian tonight, if I push you to the wall, maybe I don't need to push you to the wall. Maybe you could honestly say, that's all I want. I just want God's will. I just want God's will. I don't want anything else. I don't want one more thing other than the will of God. That's all I want is the will of God. Can you say that to Him? If you can, then you're in, you're in the lap. You're in the Father's lap. <laughs> you have felt His tenderness and His kindness and His compassion. You understand you were an enemy of God and now you're a co-heir of Christ. You get it. What more do you want? He's promised you the whole cosmos. Every good thing in the cosmos is ours. I guess sometimes we're just a little bit impatient. I just want God's will. It's what I prayed January 1, 2016. I prayed for God's will. That's all I want. From for me and Karen, for our children and our grandchildren, for you, I prayed for you, that's all I want for you is God's will. I don't want anything but God's will for you. That's all I want for you. This is the true spirit of the prayer of Jabez. He wants what God, he wants God's purpose, he wants God's will. He's only asking for what God has promised Israel. The prayer of Jabez is not a give me, give me, give me prayer. It's God, do all your will and be glorified in it. So I'm back to the asking, seeking, and knocking. Aren't we instructed to ask and seek and knock? Yes, of course we are. But Jesus is giving you the perfect balance to asking, seeking, and knocking. Matthew 26. Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, verse 39. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Here's, this is true prayer. Father, change this circumstance. But what does Jesus say immediately thereafter? Yet, yet what? Not what I want, but what? What you've purposed and willed to happen. This is mature Christian prayer. That's what, this is mature Christian prayer. He says it again. Matthew 26, 42. My Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, Your will be done. I'm not sure you can be confused about this. Matthew 26, 44. He says it again. And He prayed a third time saying the same thing once more. Lord, take this cup, but not My will, Your will. This is, this is prayer. 
This is real prayer. This is a conversation. This is not gimme, gimme, gimme. Change, change, change. Do, do, do. Give, give, give. It's not that. It's not that. Jesus asked, He sought, He knocked three times. Each time, He bowed to the purpose and will of His Father. It's really the meaning of the ask, seek, knock passage in Matthew 7, 8-11. through God invites us to come and make our petitions and praise the Lord, we can do that. If you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you shall find it. If you knock, it shall be opened. What is the it? What is the good thing? Verse 11. I love how it closes out that section on prayers. Jesus compares God to the, a human father. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? So what is the good thing? What is the good thing that God gives to those who ask and seek and knock? What is the good thing? Someone tell me. You should know by now. What is the good thing God's going to give us? What is it? His will. His perfect will. His perfect will. And you will have it because He is an awesome God. He's a sovereign God. No one can frustrate Him. You will have the good thing. It's the will of God in your life. I love this. <laughs> Health, wealth, and prosperity? Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to waste time with that? Maybe God's going to get that. But, and praise the Lord if He does. But that's not my principal concern. My principal concern is sitting in his lap and learning his will and praying for his will. So, um, who else did this? Who else prayed three times and God said no? Paul. You know, I'm always, I'm always counseling Christians. They say, well, I think God's saying no. I say, okay, good. You got your answer. Praise God for the no. You know what's uh, not going to happen? You go the other way, right? You, the no always just leads to the yes that God has for you. So Paul prayed three times that the thorn of the flesh would be removed, right? And it's interesting to me that Jesus prayed three times and Paul prayed three times. He prayed about this three times. But there's a beautiful thing there. You might not listen. You might not pick up there in, in, in the text there with Paul. Second um, Corinthians chapter twelve. Paul made his petitions three times, but then he says, "And God said to me." So, prayer. What, what two things are going on in, in a conversation? You're what? You're tell me. You're what? You're talking and you're listening. How much listening are you doing? How much listening are you doing? Prayer's not happening if you're not listening. You're doing a monologue with God. But if you're not listening, Paul was listening, and Paul got the word. God says, My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul says, He says, Man, he says, uh, my the Lord says, My grace is sufficient for you, my power is perfected in weakness. What does Paul say? 
He was dejected and depressed and he wasn't happy because God didn't give me. No, the text says, Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I receive this no. And I'm paraphrasing. I am well contented with the no. Are you well contented with the no, beloved? Are you well contented? Does it really matter what your father has to say as long as you're with your father? Does it really matter? Does it really matter at the end of the day that you were, you were destined for an eternal hell, but now you'll be with God forever? You were His enemy, and now you are a co-heir with Christ. Does it really matter? Does anything else really matter? Ultimately, if these things are true, if He's loved you like this, there's a movie... Um, uh, it's an American movie made by a church. It was really bad. I mean, the acting was pretty bad. Uh, but I love the message, right? And, uh, um, but there's a place where this man and woman, they can't have a baby, right? And the man says to the woman, will you love God if He doesn't give us a baby? Of course. <laughs> of course. He's loved me to the point of shedding His blood. Beloved, I pray, if any of you in here have this superficial view of, of prayer that it's give me, give me, give me, I pray that tonight the Holy Spirit will plant some new thought in your mind. And I pray, if you are not a big listener, if you are not a big listener, you will begin to listen to God. It's what prayer is about. It's, it's talking. It's a conversation. It is a conversation. So, in my reading of the book, The Prayer of Jabez, Wilkinson pretty much turns that prayer into a prayer formula to get temporal success from God. I think he does deny that, although if you simply read the book, you cannot help but come to that understanding. But here is the true spirit of biblical prayer. It's what mature Christians understand about prayer. It's what Jabez, I believe, was praying about. Jabez praise bless me indeed God give us the blessings that you have promised to us that's a valid prayer even if we get sawn into right Hebrews chapter 11 is it a blessing to get sawn into depends on how you look at it it is from an eternal perspective. If you get sawn in two for, the, for your uh, witness for God, bless me, and it doesn't matter. Bless me. Bless me means, God, I want you. Give me yourself. Bless me. This is the way a true, a true Christian prays. Bless me with you. He is our reward. Health, wealth, and prosperity. Are you kidding me? I want God, bless me, God, with your presence. Jabez prays, enlarge my border. Again, the Christian, we're not really concerned about our temporal or physical borders. We're concerned about our spiritual borders. We're looking at the Bema seat. You know, we're going to rule and reign in the new heaven and the new earth. Those are the borders I'm interested in. I, I'm not too interested about these except for what God may give us to make much of Jesus. Jabez prays that God might be with him. 
<laughs> for you and me, that prayer's been answered, right? He's in us. He's in us. He's in us. Christians say sometimes to me, professed Christians, they say, well, I don't sense that God is with me. Then I have to say, uh, you, you need to get on your face before the Lord and do some business because He is in you. If you are truly converted, He is in you. Jabez prays that God might keep him from harm. And of course, the true believer knows whether we get sawn into or not, nothing or no one can disturb a hair on our head. We will not perish. If we're sawn in two, we do not perish. We live forever. I think this is the spirit of the prayer. So in context, it appears above all else, Jabez was really praying for God's will and purpose to be done in Israel in the taking of the promised land. Above all else, Jesus prayed for God's purpose. Above all else, Paul prayed for God's will. Above all else, when I prayed January 1, 2016, for myself and my wife and my family and my kids and my grandkids, I prayed for God's perfect will. That's what I want. I don't want anything else. It's all I want for my family. It's all I want for you. It's how I pray for you. It's how I pray for you. You should rejoice that I pray for you in this way. It's the best thing that can happen in your life. That God's will will be done in your life as you give yourself away to Him. I know some of you maybe are giving yourself away to lesser things. But I pray you'll find His will as you give yourself away to Him. You know, some say, why do you pray to a sovereign God who has ordained all things? I think this is maybe the silliest question I've ever been asked. Because we believe in a sovereign God who ordains all things. So, why would you pray to a sovereign God who has ordained all things? My question is, why would you pray to any other kind of God? <laughs> Some frustrated, impotent God. Why would you pray to such a God? Our God is the sovereign King of heaven and earth. He declares the end from the beginning. He accomplishes all His good pleasure. He does whatever He pleases in heaven and earth. That's the God we pray to. We pray to Him. We confess our ignorance and our impotence and we rest in His omniscience and omnipotence. So we are little children sitting in our Father's lap talking and what else? Someone tell me. Talking and... It's not give me, give me, give me. It's speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, Father. Teach me Your will. Teach me how to live it. Help me be a man of God. I just want to be a man of God. I really don't care much about anything else. I just want to be a man of God. I just want to make much of Jesus for these few moments I have on the planet. Help me do that, Father. And I can see Him smile and say, of course, Jimmy Jr., that's not a problem. I'll be with you. Go. <laughs> and make much of my son. You know Christianity is cheating, right? It's just cheating. Because you have, as we talked about last week, your father holds every key. And he holds all the authority. If you're not a radical disciple in the world, that's on you. And it's on me. Because God has given us all that we need. So I'm going to close with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I think this is a good picture of prayer. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to your Father as you sit in His lap. And then what? Leave it! What does the text say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Leave it with your Father. Leave it with your Father. It's what it means to sit in your Father's lap and talk and listen and be changed. Above all else, it's the prayer of Jabez. Above all else, it's the prayer of Jesus. Above all else, it's the prayer of Paul. Above all else, it's my prayer for my family. I pray that it's your prayer to sit in His lap, to learn His will, and to be set free and be changed. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this Word. Thank You that Jesus actually tells us how to pray and then illustrates it for us. Thank You that one of Your greatest apostles illustrates it for us. We bring our burdens to You and leave them in Your will. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that has confusion about prayer, that You would help us to understand. Give me prayers are an insult to You. Lord, what we really want is Your will. What we really want is time with You. What we really want is intimacy. What we really want is to be changed. And oh God, because You're such a good Father, You let us just throw off our burdens and our concerns. We just, we just bring them to You and we throw them off and You take them and You do the perfect thing with them. It's always perfect. It's never not perfect. So Lord, I pray that each one of us have this conviction about prayer. We praise You, Lord, and we love You. We pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to dismiss you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord will make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless and God bless. Have a wonderful week. Amen. You're dismissed.